Welcome to the Men's Health Unscripted Podcast with Patrick and Cam. We're focused on everything on men's health, looking at your emotional, your physical, and your spiritual well-being. You're going to take care of that and make sure you keep on going. What's going on, guys? Pat, Cam, the Gorgonzola of Rock and Rolla, the Sultan of Swiss, the Monster of Munster, the Cheese. A, he is a professional wrestler um, here in Tampa, but he does travel all over. He has become a really good friend of ours. Um, as you guys probably know, we did the Hope for the Holidays. We were one of the sponsors. Mm-hmm. Hopefully that partnership continues, but we just really like talking to the cheese. He's an entrepreneur. He's got a lot of projects, and he he's a lot like us as far as just like he's out there doing his thing, living his dream, a lot like us. And so we wanted to have him on the podcast because I think there's a lot of good sources of in, um, inspiration to come from the cheese. So. Cam, how you doing? I'm doing good. Let's be honest, Cheese is a good dude to talk to, to yeah. hang out with. You know, he's not all elevated up on that high level of uh, a block there, you know? He's a <laughs> good slice individual. <laughs> <laughs> the Cheese jokes are going to probably be fired off quite a bit here. But Cheese, thanks for joining us. How you doing? I'm great. Thanks for having me. I, I'm, I know we had to kind of uh, back off of this the last time we had this, we had to reschedule because I had stitches in my mouth. And I thought <laughs> that I was going to do a podcast with stitches in my mouth. <laughs> Yeah, Let's, backstory, this man was coming from dental procedure and was like, yeah, we're doing this 100%. And we're like, brother, what are you doing? Well, Wrestlers the, are tough. Yeah, I mean, I, I was ready to go get in the ring and bump, and I, I had a show actually that weekend, and uh, I had to back out of it because, like, you know, you take a bump you or you get hit in the ring or somebody, you know, hits you with a flying forearm or something, you, those stitches, they will dissolve sooner than they need to, so... I was told that wasn't good. It's not good. <laughs> not good at all. But um, so kind of how did you get into wrestling? Uh, was it like a local thing? As you know, have you been a, a fan or you know, what was the premise behind getting into wrestling? Well, mine's kind of a classic story. I was, I've always been a fan. I've always wanted to, it, it, you know, I always watched it um, with my maternal grandparents. Um, I called them nanny and papa. And we always would watch old WCW, NWA together, whatever local access we could get, you know, like if it was coming on late at night or if it was coming on early Saturday mornings, um, we were always watching wrestling together. And since I was a little boy, I would I would sneak off to their house because they we all lived on the same property out in the woods. I'd sneak off to their house and watch wrestling. And um, it was just uh, it was amazing because it was the time it was the, you know, the late eighties. This is the time of these colorful characters in particular sting sting was my mm-hmm. papa's favorite character wrestling character of all time. And therefore he became mine, but he passed away. Excuse me. He passed away before he could see the crow sting, but I still carried on. I mean, who doesn't love sting at, you know, sting might not be your favorite, but you got to at least respect him. Oh yeah. oh yeah. So that love, that bonding time with my grandparents, that love for Sting, um, that love for just that that wrestling presence in my life really drove me to that point of I just got this burning desire to be a part of the wrestling business. Um, it was a it was an interesting way to get in because I sent some emails around and I wanted to um, get in as a referee or a manager because I didn't have the belief in myself that I could do anything, that I could ever gain any popularity whatsoever. 
And so then I put it on hold again because I was like, well, if I'm just doing that, what's the point? And, you know, I, I finally went, you know, I just said, screw it. I'm going all in. Let's go. Let's let's do this. I went to go train and trained over here at Jay Lethal School. And um, yeah, here we are. <laughs> you know, it's a there's a, there's more steps into it. But um, just being a lifelong fan and just wanting to get involved and at the very least, I was only going to have one match. Like I trained and I was like, I want to show myself that I can do this. I want to dedicate this time and training to my grandparents and show them, you know, that I had one match. That They're looking down on me. However, you wind up looking at things spiritually or whatever, you know, I want to do this for them, which would also be doing it for me. And, you know, we're hundreds of matches later and... <laughs> Several, you know, four, four and a half, almost five years later, uh, I'm still doing my thing. So that's awesome. Yeah, that is awesome. And you know, it's not always forget. You also did the thing and got some belts out of it too. So yeah, you definitely know they're looking down. Pretty, pretty happy to see that gold on that waist. Yeah, I mean, not be Velveeta. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, I, it's it, it's incredible to think about. It. Like I said, just was only going to have one match in my head, and here I am. I've I've become the I was the uh, kingdom of wrestling champion for a while and I'm, I'm currently the brawl USA champion um, I was the uh, pride of wrestling Florida champion um, and I I really don't have any signs of uh, slowing down on that so I'm gonna gather all that good to gold you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. the, uh, you're the blue belt collector there you go <laughs> <laughs> um, so you know, the, the cheese is a, it's a very interesting persona and gimmick um, that you have created for yourself. And I think that a lot of people who understand wrestling, I never met you before until December. Right, right. And I watched you wrestle and I was like, this guy gets it. Yeah. Right. Just from a, from a lifelong Thank fan you. as well perspective. The way you came out, you got cheese in your leotard. And <laughs> you're just like flipping it out. And the, the one thing that sold me about you, I was just like, I fell in love with the character so much Thank you. was that like you got hit, you're on the ground, you're like rolling over and you just had enough time to like pull the cheese <laughs> out and fling it to the crowd. I'm sitting back there <laughs> losing it and just like the intricacy of your character and how much time you put into what you do. Where did you come up with like the cheese gimmick? Because it, it's very unique. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of people who, look the same, talk the same, act the same, especially in the big wrestling promotions. And you've managed to find something very unique to you. Uh, well, thanks. It, you know, it, it came out really organically, um, non-pasteurized, so to speak. <laughs> but no, I, I go back to my training, train with one of the greatest wrestlers of all time, one of the greatest in the world. And I'll say it with all the biases in the world, but you can look at it objectively outside of yourself and say that Jay Lethal is one of the greatest of all time to do it. And I'm very lucky to have him as my trainer. Mm -hmm. um, you have in wrestling um, a certain section of, and, and it's more difficult for some guys uh, than the athletic component of it, but there's the promo side where you talk about, um, you know, your, your character, you introduce your character and, what I like to tell people is a promo, either before a match, after a match, wherever you give it, whether it's online, whether it's live and in person, a promo is a, uh, 
reintroduction or reacquainting yourself with the audience. Hey, I'm this guy. This is what I'm all about. This is what I'm going to do at this place, time, whatever. So you have to learn that part of it. The athletic component, you know, it's hit or miss for me. I was an athlete in high school, so I was equipped to handle it. And I'm a little bit of a bigger guy, so I was equipped to handle certain things. I have certain strengths and certain weaknesses. But the promo side is my favorite part. The character side is my favorite part. And during training, when you have promo class, we didn't really call it that, for lack of a better way to explain it, um, I wasn't the cheese. I was a um, I, I was a heel version of myself. I was a bad guy, and I basically borrowed from the old Saturday Night Live sketch with Chris Farley, where mm-hmm. he's you know he's Matt Foley, you know living in a van down by the river, <laughs> uh, you know subsisting on a steady supply of government cheese. So I said I tell everybody in the room because you're it's your peers and other there are very few spectators when you're training to become a wrestler it's like it's other wrestlers it's people who are established in the business and trainers and i cut this promo on everybody in the room and i said why does it look and smell like everybody in this room is on a steady supply of government cheese and jay God love him. He did, he he loved it. He had he kind of tamped down his uh, excitement for it there for a minute because he had to critique me. But he was just like, "You seem really mad at that government cheese." <laughs> so then, from that point on, he called me government cheese, and then he eventually shortened it to just cheese. And I said, "Well, I think I have something, you know, uh, because I wasn't just going to go out and be like black tights, black boots, black." you know, elbow pads, black knee pads, tough guy, because there's like 880,000 of those guys, you know, like there's way, and and no offense to anybody who's an actual tough guy and out there doing their thing, you know, but there's only, you know, in the annals of Florida, there's only one John Davis. There's only one Brock Lesnar in, in and on a national or international scene. You know, the guys who come transition from MMA, they can be tough guys because they have the registered weapons to do it. Mm-hmm. But me, I'm, I love the character aspect. So I ran with the cheese character because Jay kept calling me cheese. And uh, I came up with this whole persona where I am, you know, more or less the sentient uh, <laughs> god of cheese. You know, like I, every type of cheese. I'm not talking just the American slices that I throw out to everybody. I'm talking Gouda. I'm talking... Parmesan, I'm talking provolone, I'm talking, you know, camembert, all these different types of cheeses. I will reference them in different promos. And, but I will do it in a way that's not, um, it, it is definitely cheesy, but it's not like I'm not taking myself seriously. So that's rule number one don't take yourself too seriously, which allows the character, people to see the character for what it is and who he is. And, what he's all about. And number two, um, make yourself to be at least somewhat of a physical threat. So I'm a, you know, I'm not a huge guy, but for the Indies, I'm indie wrestling. I'm kind of a bigger guy. And so I'm, I can be imposing when I need to be, when it's business time. That's something that one of my other trainers, um, 
big con from the Ascension. Mm-hmm. Uh, he taught me, he was just like, Hey, all the, you know, say cheese and all that stuff's good. But when it comes down to business time, you get serious and you show them what you're all about. And I'm like, wow. All right. So I add elements of that in there too. But the third most important thing that I keep uh, track of with this character is to absolutely have fun. The kids, the adults, um, random spectators, longtime fans, whatever. If they feel like you're out there and you're doing a job, and I'm not talking like business, wrestling business speak, like doing the job. If you're doing a job and you're just going to work, here's my lunch pail and I'm just coming out here and I'm going to do this suplex and it's going to be one, two, three. No, it's engage with them. Let them know you're having fun. Because if you can't let them know that you're having at least some modicum of fun, they're not going to have any fun, right? So, you know, those are my kind of like more or less rules for the character. You know, I don't like imposing rules on certain things, especially when it comes to something creative. But, you, you know, that's, that's kind of what I live by for this character that, you know, was organically happened. I think, oh, yeah. yeah, I mean, that's like the best stuff. And I, I know Cam and I could probably go on and on about like how we started this. And then we we're at USF and it organically like came to us. And we were lucky that we had some, you know, people or some professors at school that supported us because sure. I mean, let's be real, like men's health can be a very taboo subject. Yes. And it's kind of one of those things where we were doing things and like we're, you know, running and like kind of not too far off from what we do now is like, we're running around like saying prostate is like, you know, nor- like normalizing things that would make a normal guys like butt pucker. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, yeah. I have a better term. And it's really what happens. Like, Oh crap, I have to go get this exam. You know? And so what we're doing was like really just trying to normalize a lot of these terms that even medical professionals at times felt uncomfortable discussing. Sure. And then you can even see with the patient, you know, like you see with a patient and they just are, oh crap, I have to go get this exam. And it's not, it wasn't discussed enough so that if it's not discussed, people aren't aware. And then if, if the unknown is fear, mm-hmm. it, it can be, or, or they think, oh crap, like, what if I'm sick or whatever, what do I do? And so I think bringing these normal things to the conversation and just, you know, going after it, there's a, very similar to you. Yeah. Um, and I know that, you know, you, t- you mentioned a little bit about pursuing this goal, right? And I think this would be the, the main meat of the, the part of the, of the podcast, but like, you know, tell the audience a little bit about what you do to facilitate your goals and your business owner as well, um, you know, and a wrestler. And I know you've getting ready to start a podcast. Yep. And, all those things. And so how do you, you know, kind of meet these goals and continue to pursue your passions? Because it's very easy to get in a rut. And I I think a lot of guys experience that as well, or it it sucks to take a risk. Yeah. Right. Well, you know, I, I, I also just recently became a dad. So that also is a huge, uh, time constraint, but I don't look at it like that. Um, you know, we're hanging out today, we're having lunch and talking about this, but uh, you know, it's a lot of education, you Mm know, having the kid, you know, she is all the wonderful spiritual things that people say about having a a child. They've all come true. Um, But it's, 
it is a huge uh, time constraint. You know, I, there are certain shows that I've turned down. There are certain times where I just can't do certain things, but it's all about harnessing that time. Cause it's all temporary, right? Like she's not going to need this level of care for that many years. And, and I ha- also have to say, you know, I, I refer to her in the, in the open world, you know, the love of my life, Jordan, the cheesette does an amazing job of making sure that I get to follow all of my, you know, different endeavors. And, you know, she takes, obviously as a mother, she takes the huge, huge responsibility for the child. And I just make sure that, um, what I can do is, you know, pick up those extra diapers that need to be changed and whatnot. Um, I, I do my best in compensating for the, for the brunt of that. She does all the work basically, but, um, for a very, very, very long time in my life, I was driven by fear and by driven. I mean, I was just, I didn't, I didn't pursue wrestling until I was in my early thirties. Um, I was too self-conscious. I was too worried about it being too much of a risk in physical ways in financial ways, all that kind of stuff. And I would just encourage anybody who's listening, anybody who can hear the sound of my voice, I would encourage a young man, young person, older person, doesn't matter because, and it's good that we're kind of rebooting this because it's it's a thought that was in my head for a while. When I got to 30, I thought, okay, if I'm not, you know, your definition of success is probably a little bit different societally and familial. It, it's like you kind of think this is what I have to do. I have to be stuck. I have to be in this track. I can't waste my time doing this or doing that over there. Um, I would encourage anybody to take that one leap of faith or that one thing that scares you or that one thing that you're kind of taught not to worry about and focus on your career and focus on staying in line. Um, because for me, how, you know, taking the step to become a pro wrestler, and it sounds very silly to anybody who's not a fan of pro wrestling, who's only seen like the, you know, the, uh, Roddy Piper clocking Jimmy Superfly Snook over the head with a coconut or, you know, Hulk Hogan, things like that. And, and for crying out loud, for th- if anybody's only seen the cheese, they would think, oh, pro wrestling, so silly. Don't waste your time with that. But for me, and it's all about individual will and what you have in you and what you want to do. For me, it was it's more of I took that step and that confidence that I got whenever I got just a grain of success um, really put me in this mindset of, well, man, if I could if I can do this and I can try this and this is working, I'm going to try all this other stuff that I've been wanting to do, you know? Uh, so I would just encourage anybody to do, take that first step and turn over that first domino and let it have that domino effect in your life. And, you know, like I said, having uh, the, using the phrase or word entrepreneur, is something that I use tongue, tongue in cheek, but I, I, I am one for lack of a better word because I took that one step. I became a pro wrestler before I started my own business. And now I've got essentially three businesses that I'm running. And 
I'm having a blast doing it. But they're also, you know, there's there's practicality and there's things that you got to watch, but they're they're profitable. They're things that are, you know, if it's not, you know, a monetary gain, then it's a passion thing for me. If it's not, you know, it has to be one of those other things, uh, in, in my opinion. Yeah, I think, you know, kind of what we were saying a little bit too is that, you know, being a wrestler, you're very much so being an entrepreneur. You're, you have to be creative. You have to get people to engage you and to the point where you're wrestling, you're actually suspending someone's disbelief. Right? Correct. Like you could say, oh, it's play fighting or it's scripted or, you know, whatever. But at the same time, you have stadiums full of people who it, it's so good and the story is so strong and the characters are so strong that you're suspending someone's disbelief in thinking that it's like not a real fight. Right. Right. It, it, you know, there's, and there, the engagement, you can't do that without engagement. Right. So if you're talking, you know, you don't want to, you don't want to kind of uh, talk down to your crowd, the audience, but you do, you want to engage them in a way where it's just like, Hey, you guys are part of this. Come with me. You know? And, and if you're just talking at them, which I've seen this in management and don't, and also to go back to my previous point about like, if you get stuck in a different track where you're doing nine to five, yes, there are those nine to five jobs where people are very fulfilled because they're making good money. They're doing something they're passionate about. Nothing wrong with that. But there are those other nine to five jobs. Like in my experience, it was in state government and things like that, um, where you have those jobs and you are stuck in that mode and there's no real meritocracy. You can work as hard as you can and, and, and it won't go anywhere. And then you also experience a supervisor or a boss or somebody like that, that is just like, you know, they're doing the wrong thing. So you can learn from what they do as the wrong thing and teach you how to, they really talk at you and don't go with you type of leadership um, and not to get into corporate leadership or anything like that in this, but that was what I was dealing with. So I, another way that I choose to engage my audience is I don't talk at them. I'm like, Hey guys, I'm doing this fun thing. You want to come with me? Mm-hmm. Oh, you want to sit back? You can sit this one out. I don't, that's fine. I'd love to have you next time, whatever. And that right there. And, and particularly in trivia, you know, as the cheese, I, I do trivia as the cheese and cheese persona. And I go and engage people at these random bars and places that I go and do trivia. And I'm just like, Hey, we're doing trivia. You want to come over here? And some people will like resist and they'll sit out. Most people are just like, Oh, that sounds fun. Let's do it. But some people are just like, they're like, no, you know, I think we're just here to have a couple drinks or just eat something, whatever. And I'm just like, that's cool. We're just going to be talking trivia, whatever. If you want to join in, come over. Nine times out of 10, they'll come over to me and ask for index cards so they can join in because they see that there's no judgment. There's not a, there's no pressure. There's not a lot of this, you know, like, Hey, put your phones down, all these crazy rules. And you can relate all that to a job or whatever that you're stuck in. So it's really giving them the option to come with you and have fun. And, but also like see that there's a point to it all. And that's, that's where my head is with that kind of stuff. Yeah. It kind of goes back to how you have to have that kind of goal, kind of, kind of plan to do something, go somewhere, be whoever, but then you also have fun with it. Yeah. You have a good time because you 
something we noticed uh, at the Christmas show is like the charisma is a big part of it. So like your charisma sold the mm-hmm. entire event. To be honest, like although everybody else is great, all the guys are great. But like when you have that crowd interaction, the throwing of the cheese honestly like blew everybody's mind. Like nobody knew what was happening for a good moment. <laughs> And like you were people just being like, is that cheese? Is there throwing cheese out here? And then it was just, <laughs> it was like, I mean, you made people who are not wrestling fans, wrestling fans that day. I love and it. Like, that is, they're like, I didn't know wrestling was like this, yeah. you know? And honestly, you know, that's not the ultimate goal, but that is what, that should be one of every, and I'm not t- telling any pro wrestler out there who's listening what to do, but that should be one of their goals mm-hmm. is to bring new people in by showing that you are having a good time and you're genuine about it. If you've got to force your character into showing everybody that you're having a good time, then it's just not going to work. But for me, I'm just like, Hey, I'm having fun and I'm doing this. You want to come on? Let's, let's go. (laughs) And most people want to come for the ride. You know, I, I, and, and the thing is selfishly, I absolutely love it. Like, I can't tell you that there's ever been a time, you know, I've wrestled in front of, you know, like 10 people. And then I've also wrestled in front of hundreds, you know, every time I go out there, every time I'm throwing cheese, every time I hit my opponent in the face with a piece of cheese or do some move or whatever, I feel amazing. Like it's, it's one of the greatest feelings that it's hard to explain, you know, it only takes a backseat to, you know, my child and her mother, everything up, like it is above everything else. Like it's a, it's just amazing. Just that feeling. And what I would propose and what I would want anybody who's listening and taking a shot on this podcast um, is I would want them to find that thing that makes them feel that way. And some people don't want the attention on them. Some people, they get plenty of gratification from having their own, whatever version of wrestling is, whatever version of getting up and talking and being a character in front of other people is. For me, it's wrestling, but I would encourage anybody who's listening to find that one thing that is going to make them feel something, something like that. You know what I mean? That just, that, Uber gratification. Yeah, it's that self-fulfillment also rolls anywhere else. You know, you said yeah. it takes a back seat, um, you know, to your family, but it also benefits your family because you're you being self-built does make you a better father, a better husband, a better partner, and then you also provide out for the community. So it's going into your, your businesses, your other um, your other ventures essentially mm-hmm. that are helping other people out. So it's definitely not completely selfish on that. That's for sure. And just to kind of like reiterate the point we lost a, a minute ago is that. You know, there's a, a huge issue with depression, anxiety in America. Yeah. And we have a lot of people who are, you know, not pursuing their passions and not pursuing the, that little, you know, voice in their head that's saying, like, you should go do this or whatever the case may be. But I think that's a lot of the reason why there's so much depression and anxiety issues because people are unfulfilled and they don't know why. And that's the issue is, you know, well, why don't I feel good? Why don't I want to get out of bed? Well, it's like, you know, what are you fighting for? Right. And, and there's a lot of people that they need to see the instant gratification to understand what they're doing. But if you can take the steps, I mean, Cam and I've been at this for a couple of years now and like, 
at times it, I think he'll agree with me. It just feels like nothing. Like, it's just like, what are we doing? Yeah. And then there's times where like today and other moments where we get some really big recognition and people are like, dude, you guys are doing great stuff. And it's a reminder like that all that time of just grinding yeah. that, all right, there's something good, but guess what? That's not where it stops. Right. There's more steps, right? And they, they might get easier. They might get harder. There's different problems that come now. Um, but the, the major thing that I love about this project, mm. and I see a lot of it in what you do, is that there is fulfillment and there's the ability to say, hey, we want to go impact this group. Yes. You know, Cam and I talk about all the time, like, hey, is there a population that you think is not, that doesn't get it? What, what are the things that we like? like we love racing, mm. right? We love cars. We love wrestling. Like, you know, these things that we really enjoy, it's like, well, dang, we get to go to a wrestling show and impact people. We yeah. get to go to a race and impact people. So it's like, we still get to do the things we love and we still get to impact people, which we love. Yeah. So, and I think that more people just were like, hey, if you try it and it sucks, you don't have to do it the rest of your life. You don't have to stay at it, yeah. Just try it. There's a reason there's a voice in your head telling you to go do it. You know, there's actually a, a really very close friend of mine, and he actually just quit his job and went full-time into doing, you know, eBay sales and YouTube. And uh, RJ, he's he'll, he'll get mad if I'm talking about him in a positive light, but he's <laughs> known as the scoundrel Rod Grimes. He told me he's the one who got me into the wrestling business. He took me to the show. He he showed me the way. I I was at a WrestleCon in New Orleans, um, however many years back that was when WrestleMania was in New Orleans. Mm -hmm. They had WrestleCon, you know, booted right up next to WrestleMania. And he was at the booth for Jay Lethal School. And I talked to him about it. We kept following up, kept following up. And uh, I eventually went to training just to observe one night and he, and the thing that he said to me still sticks to me to this day, which is akin to what you just said. He said, he said, look, just try it. If you don't like it, you can just say, screw it and just leave and walk away. But what are you going to do if you just had this opportunity right here that you don't know is an opportunity yet? What are you going to do if you had it? You didn't try it and you're going to spend all those years wondering what could have been. And I know that he's absolutely right. And I, there are several different versions of that floating out there that people have said to one another over oh, the yeah. years. But I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that I spent those years wondering what it would have been like if I would have started wrestling in my 20s or right after I got out of high school. I would have been a completely different person. Yeah. And I'm, you know, like for, for me, example, for example, like I shouldn't be playing the piano. I tried to play the piano years ago. It's terrible at it. Sucked. It was no good. I worked at it for a little while, still sucked. And then, you know, I was discouraged to the point and I wasn't passionate enough about it to put in the time, the effort the thing. So you got to find the thing that you're passionate about or the things. And then you just got to go in after it and just be ready to fail to suck. And then overcoming that is blazing your own trail, making your own path 
of just like, and you can have all the suck behind you because you learn from those different things that you sucked at in the beginning. But then when you keep going and you keep pushing about that, those things that you're passionate about, you become better. And then you can look back and say, boy, if I didn't try, you know, where would I be? Right. Like it's, it's so important for us to just like not be afraid to suck and to fail because, and, and I think it's inherently a male trait for as a man, if you're just like, I can't do this, screw it, just throw whatever down, you know, throw like golf, you know, for me, you guys, I don't know if you guys are golfers, like I'm horrible at golf, but I haven't put in the time. I'll tell you where I have fun at golf though. There's always a workaround too. Like I have fun riding the golf cart <laughs> and, and hanging out with my buddies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if somebody's like, Hey, you want to play golf? I'm like, I'm terrible at golf, but I'll hang out with you. And they're like, sure. We'll let you shoot, you know, like go to a driving range, something like that. It's a little bit different. There's always some kind of workaround where you can find something to kind of engage yourself or engage others. But like, if you're so, so uber passionate about that thing, you know, be ready to suck at it. And if you're, if you still love it, and you're still getting after it after you suck and you see how you suck and then you gain some momentum and get a little bit better. doesn't matter what it is. If you go ahead and embrace that, you know, just being terrible at that thing, then you're going to eventually, you're going to, you're going to power through it and you're going to be, it's going to be a big part of your life that fulfills you. Oh yeah. Yeah. Got anything, Cam? No, that was fucking on point. That was yeah. definitely what people need to be hearing for sure. A lot of people do kind of keep themselves in their own rut, their parents' rut, their, their whatever, their ethical ruts. And it's definitely something you got to take that jump, take that leap. Yeah. And start fucking smashing some tables. <laughs> yeah. So uh, as we close out, we've got a couple quick rapid fire questions for you. I know you said your favorite wrestler growing up was Sting. Yeah. Do you have any other wrestlers that you've kind of modeled your moveset or personality or character off of? Dusty Rhodes. Oh, American <laughs> Dream. American Dream, baby. That's the the, the, uh, the big cheesy elbow is uh-huh. Dusty because, you know, it's, I, I, you know, Dusty's a big time Florida wrestler. Oh, yeah. And if I say this and people can call me stupid or tell me I'm wrong, but if they're, if Hulk Hogan didn't become Hulk Hogan, Dusty Rhodes would be, you know, in a huge prevalent spotlight in, as far as like pop culture re- relevance. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it was actually kind of funny. Went to dinner at a restaurant here and uh, Rick Blair came in with one of his buddies and sat next to us. It was so funny watching a bunch of like 60 year old men be like, and all these like grown men are like, all these guys go in there like the Rolex wearing. <laughs> and somebody I actually know, I'm not going to call him out. He's an adult with like grandkids. Yeah. Comes, r- I didn't know he was there. Comes running around the bar telling Ric Flair, he's like, oh my God, you're Ric Flair. And he's like, yeah. Yeah. Nice to meet you. <laughs> you know, really nice guy. You know, it's like Rick was super cool with him. But it was just, it was so crazy watching all these like grown men. And I'm sitting right next to him. I'm like, oh shit, that's Ric Flair. Like, that's cool, but not. I'm not like, oh, I'm busting a nut. <laughs> yeah. Um, favorite wrestling move, either one of yours or somebody else's. Well, you know, my favorite wrestling move, and it's attributed to Sting, but it's the, you know, it, it's the Scorpion Death Drop. And I will call it that to anybody who will listen, you know, technically. But 
It's a reverse DDT. Mm-hmm. I call it the DD cheese. Wow. So that's my finishing maneuver. And I love that move because it looks so devastating and it can be very devastating, but it's also like you got them hooked. And when you're in one of those moves where you've got them hooked and you can just look at the crowd, feel that out and the anticipation of you scan that crowd and the anticipation, everybody's like, Oh, we've seen this before. Well, what's he going to do? Mm-hmm. And then you just look, and I yell it out, DD cheese, bang. And it's just this nice big noise. And everybody's just like, you get that crowd pop where it's just like, yes. Cause they know when the DD cheese is hit or when the scorpion death drop was hit, they know that that's one, two, three, you're going down mm-hmm. 99% of the time. <laughs> right. Got it. And, um, last question. What is your favorite part about being a pro wrestler? My everything aside, <laughs> aside from yeah. absolutely what's everything. Like, what's the one thing that like just greases your wheels every time? Well, uh, so um, we, we talked a little bit earlier about making new fans, but there are people that are basically new people. And so um, uh, one of the promotions that I worked for recently uh, called NRG Wrestling uh, was their inaugural show. They had a really good show. It was outside of a brewery. Really is a beautiful day. You know, had a good little fan base out there. A lot of a lot of fans coming mainly to drink beer, but it's wrestling can be a surprise and delight because they go out back and they're they ha- they've got their craft beer in their hand and they're like, "What's this wrestling ring doing here?" You know, and like they're hanging out and then they watch and see what happens and then they ins- they become fans. So you make new fans there. But there was this little this little girl, and I want to say they uh, her mom said she was three four years old, um, but she just became enamored with the cheese character that I love like cheese is for the kids, you know, yeah, but well, for the adults, for the adults too. <laughs> I love, I love catering to both. For the 35 year old <laughs> <laughs> I, I love it. I, but, uh, this little girl became enamored with the cheese and, um, she saw me, I had gotten out of my gear and everything. And sometimes when I take the long hair down, I put it in ponytail, put the hat on, people don't, recognize me as soon as they normally would if I'm wearing the spandex and I'm just like, you know, cheese, cheese, cheese. But she saw me. um, I was grabbing one drink before I left because I was, you know, uh, some family watched me there. And so I wanted to have a drink with them before I left. And uh, I, um, I, she saw me and she's like, cheese. And she was, so, and it just like, it, it tickled me pink because it was just one of those things where it just made me feel really good that a kid identified me and I'd left an impression. And on the back end of that, you know, her, her mom reaches out to me. She's like, you know, uh, her name's Aubrey. She's like, I, she's just, she has not stopped talking about you since you, uh, since we left the show and she just, she loves you, whatever. And, uh, I didn't have some of my cheap patented cheese glasses with the dri- yellow drip on them. And I sent some to her in the mail because she went to go. It, it was great day for merch, by the way, but <laughs> she, she went to go get some of those glasses. I didn't have any, but I made sure I, I had some in my stock back home and I sent some to her, but her and her mom took the time to send me a, a uh, one of those. They're just like these giant cube like stress reliever things that you squeeze, you know, but it's a cheese cube. Oh, nice. And uh, it was just really cool that she sent that to me. I actually posted about it on Instagram. So it's public. And I asked her mom for permission and everything like that. But to me, especially having a little girl um, now, just being a father in general, just being able to really make an impression on a kid 
in a, in a positive way, but there's not, I'm not preaching to them. I'm just like this fun character wrestling uh, crowds. And I've said this to somebody recently, wrestling crowds and wrestling fan bases need to be generational for them to be sustainable. Yeah. I am a product of that. I was watching sting at three years old. I'm still watching sting when he's on AEW hanging on every single word and every single promo and every single match that he's doing. I'm a product of that. I think it's very important to be able to not only cater to new fans, but those just foster those young developing minds that are into wrestling. And I feel in that case, uh, I made a wrestling fan for life. So that's really what just, if I can, if I can connect with one person like that at every show, I'm doing my job perfectly. Yeah. It helps the Buddha. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think we have the same belief. If we can go to an event and touch one person, just be like, you know what? I'm going to start caring about myself. Yeah. That's huge. Absolutely. Yeah. We've done it and we've gone and, you know, clearly we've touched more than one person, but every yeah. single time, like the goal is one. Yeah. And I think that's the easiest goal and it's also realistic. Yeah. So geez, thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for coming to hang out, man. We're going to go do a little bit of sauna now. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> Before we let go, where can people find you? Yes. Uh, yeah. On Instagram, I am at the cheese pro on Facebook. It's you just search the cheese pro wrestler and on Twitter, I'm the cheese PW. Um, and I'm getting more of these social, like I'm, I'm trying to get the hang of Twitch and TikTok. I'm, I'm the great Gouda on TikTok. Mm -hmm. If you're on TikTok. So I've got all the socials um, worked out. I'm the American cheese with a Z at gmail.com for bookings and all that kind of stuff. So you can find me. My imprint on the internet is pretty wide. So yeah, not I, hard to find. And uh, the, the podcast is going to be called Your Own Machine. And I believe I'm going to release it on uh, Spotify podcasts. So awesome. you definitely can toss a slice of cheddar out there and hit your social somewhere. That's it. <laughs> okay. Well, guys, the great Gouda. The Sultan of Charcuterie. <laughs> the Super Swiss. Yeah. The Blue Blazer. <laughs> What's another? The Monster of Monster. What is it? Uh, anything? Do you have a Lindberger one? Uh, the Lindberger Lover. The Gorgonzola Rock and Roller. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the Dairy Dynamo. Uh, the American Cheese. Baby, as a tribute to Dusty Rhodes. All right, geez, thanks for coming on. Thank you guys. It's been a Appreciate pleasure. it. You guys are awesome. <laughs>